um, so so wild because uh, every time I come here, it's like a little family reunion. <laughs> it's almost been 15 years wow. uh, from that uh, first Tabernacles that you invited me to. And I remember uh, Betty Green gave me a report card for my preaching. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't pull any punches. <laughs> Before I uh, get all silly, I, I just really want to uh, um, just really want to tap into what the Lord was flowing in worship. Because I, <clears throat> I feel like uh, the Lord speaks through themes, and uh, and we just have to pay attention. Like God doesn't give us those experiences just to tickle our feelings. The Lord is communicating something. And I, um, first off, I, I just want to say, man, do you really have to leave uh, tomorrow afternoon? Gosh, dang. Man, the breaker anointing and just uh, yeah. what you release, uh, I just, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So good, so good. Thank you for, for, you know, thank you everyone for leading us. But I just was remembered, bo- both you guys, uh, and um, I, I just remembered uh, my friend who had a, a prophetic encounter. He leads uh, uh, the. Uh, Kona YWAM base, uh, the community development. So he's like a construction worker, but prophetic. <laughs> and he had this prophetic encounter that uh, it marked me. It was just so powerful and potent. I just really believe that the Lord really wants to challenge you guys with it. But he said he was on his knees, and he, he had this vision of the Holy Spirit taking him into this room, and in the middle of this room was this glowing crown. He said it was the most beautiful crown he've ever, he's ever seen. And there was rubies and gems that he's never even seen before. And he's looking and he's, he's circling this crown, and he's saying, what is this? And the Holy Spirit says, that's your crown. And every single gem in the crown it's actually every single time you said yes to me, right? And then as soon as he heard the Holy Spirit say that, the curtains opened and there he was. It was Jesus in all of his glory and all of his beauty and all of his splendor. And his first reaction, he grabbed the crown and threw it at his feet and it broke into a million pieces and literally went into Jesus and it glorified Jesus. And the first reaction as he saw his crown sink into Jesus was to grab another crown, but nothing was there. And he said the only regret that he had was that there wasn't more yeses to give in that moment. And I just feel like that's the posture of our hearts that the Lord wants to give us tonight. Not, not a good message, because it's not really a good message, it, again, if it tickles your feelings, but nothing's moved. Nothing's changed. The, the Lord has anointed us to preach good news to the poor and to, to rend asunder and, uh, chains on our generation, right? 
and and he wants you to do something about it, but it only like the only like he doesn't he's not looking at your qualification your natural qualifications, right? Because he is your qualification. We're all broken men and women. Our 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 qualification is that he died, he came, died, and was raised again from uh, from death to life, right? Now you're wearing his righteousness, so you have been approved. Come on. <laughs> So what he's looking for is your yes. What he's looking for is a willing spirit that says, yes, I'm willing to go. And not just the big yeses. Sometimes we feel like it's the, only, the only yeses that count is the big yeses. But sometimes it's those little, the little pullings of the Holy Spirit saying, come away with me. Come away with me. I want to be with you. Come on. I wanted to begin with that because I didn't, I didn't want to uh, move from that flow. I really feel like uh, we won't get anywhere tonight if our hearts aren't postured in that place. So, Father, I pray, release your grace, God. I don't want to speak. I truly don't want to speak anything that doesn't flow out of your mouth, God. If you came into this room, what would you say to us tonight? You are alive. You are alive, God. It's not about our promotion of ministries any longer. You're alive and you're coming back to the earth. And we will take account for what we have done and how we have stewarded the grace that you've given us. We want to steward it well. So Lord, take us there. We can't go there ourselves. Take us there, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There was so much in worship. I want to go into some of it tomorrow. <laughs> but I, I, I feel like I do have direction tonight, so I'm going to move in that direction. And um, so I believe tomorrow I'm speaking again, tomorrow night. And so I, I really felt tonight I'm going to share a big picture, so you'll get a, a kind of a big picture perspective. And we're going to just respond to what the Lord speaks. And then tomorrow, we're going to hone in and I'll share a little bit more of what I do uh, in the mission. And I'll, I'll share also, I, I just feel like there's an activation that the Lord wants to release tomorrow. And, and that, that is for you guys locally. But I feel like it's all tied up in this big picture. So that's where we're going to begin tonight. And um, so just uh, for those of you who don't know me and don't know what I'm doing... <laughs> Uh, and you heard some guys, a missionary in Kona, Hawaii, and you're just like, who is this dude? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't pick Kona. <laughs> and I, and in, in my, uh, my own heart, I would rather pick someone like Harder, just so like I could say, yeah, we're, we're in uh, Iraq. <laughs> It'd be a lot easier to raise support in that way. <laughs> so I was so into that. But just to give you a little background, um, it was, uh, it's, it's just about 60 years ago, uh, God gave this young man named Loring Cunningham a vision of waves of young people flowing into nations and flowing out of nations. And the, he saw millions of, of young people missionaries. 
And at, at, that time, at that point in time, that was unheard of in the church. The missionaries were the ones who graduated Bible college, and those were the only qualified ones that, that would go overseas. And um, he pioneered this thing. And he is truly an apostle uh, to the nations, to the nations. And I don't say that lightly. He, he really, I think uh, YWAM has uh, sixteen to 1,700 different bases all around the nations. So there's bases in India. There's bases in the, in the Middle East. There's, there's bases all over the place. And it's because uh, he didn't flow with his own vision. He flowed with the vision of the Lord, and he, yeah. and he gave his life to it. And so, uh, and the Jesus people were a big part of why YWAM is what it is today. So today, YWAM is one of the biggest missions organizations in the world. I didn't even know that until I went in there, but I I guess they are the biggest missionary organization in the world. And um, the Kona YWAM base is the biggest YWAM base in the world, and that's where Mama uh, Darlene Cunningham and Lauren Cunningham stay, and there's just this um, such a apostolic visionary grace. Um, it's really truly incredible. So if you ever make it out to Kona, I would love for you to come and 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 break bread with me and my family. I'll take you around the campus. Uh, you guys are family, and uh, I would really love to do that. But um, so we're we're reaching into the nations with not just young people. Now it's cross-generationally, uh, cross-denominationally. Uh, if you have a yes in your heart, then you have to go, right? And, and uh, there, he, we focus on the seven spheres of the society. I'm not going to go into all those things because that's not my word tonight. But uh, it's basically a blueprint of how reformation can work in the nations, in every culture, in every people group. So we're literally seeing nations get in touch in, at the government level to the homeless to, you know, we're just going for it. No matter how, how, how it looks, we're going for it. And, uh, and uh, the, the Cunninghams just say, go. You have our blessing. You have the grace. And it's been just phenomenal. Um, so without further ado, right? So just being back in New England, it's, it's, it's given me just this, this time to just reflect over the last 15 years. And it's, it's like, you know, uh, did you know that one of uh, Jesus' name is uh, Jehovah Hijack? Because <laughs> I... He's and, and and I know there's a, a joke, Jehovah Sneaky. Oh, my my buddy Ed, <laughs> love that man. <laughs> Give him a front row seat. Come on. <laughs> Sorry for calling you out, Ed. <laughs> uh, where was I? See, Ed always distracts me. <laughs> Jehovah Sneaky. <clears throat> but as I reflect on my journey. Because I'm not originally from New England. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I was a part of Lou Engel's ministry, became a son in his house. And then suddenly, it just seemed like out of the blue, I went to New England. And it was like, it didn't, it didn't totally make sense then. And it was like the Lord said, I have a potter's wheel. 
And I have assignments for you here, but there's, it's going to mold you into something that I want to replicate into the nations. And, uh, and so I, I remember the t- those, these little landmarks. And I couldn't help but think as I was writing out uh, these things tonight. I couldn't help but think about that, that verse in Ephesians where it says that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to walk in good works prepared beforehand, right? We are His workmanship. And that that word in the Greek is poema, meaning we are His poetry. We are His story. That He he dictates and and orchestrates our lives in such a way that it, it literally testifies of the Gospel. And, and David even says in the Psalms, he says, I have found where, I've been, where you've written about me in the book. Yeah. Right? right? And I, I can't help but think about John the Baptist when, when they came to him and they were trying to figure out John the Baptist. And they said, who are you? Are you, you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you Jeremiah? No. Then who are you? And John the Baptist said something really interesting. He quotes Isaiah. In essence, he says, I found myself in the book. This is who I am. I am a voice crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. And I really believe that in order for us to to make sense of our lives, like, you weren't just created for a nine-to-five job, right? You were created. You are His poema. Like your life has been knit and formed and destiny has been put in you as a seed. The promises of the Lord has been placed in your heart as a seed in a deposit that one day you would look back on your life if you don't give up and you don't surrender you. You don't surrender to the world, but you surrender your life to the Lord, right? Because there's two potters in this life. It's either the world's potter, you you know, molding you, or it's the Lord. And He has has the better hands. Can I say that again? So you walk in this life, and there's ups and downs, and there's mountaintops and valleys, Right? And when it doesn't make sense, you just say, Lord, I trust Your hand. Dip Your finger deep into the clay. I want to become what You're molding. I want to become Your poema. Are you with me? Are you with me? Because at the, at the end, in the fulfillment of promise, you'll look back on on your life and say, man, that was an incredible story. I remember in 2010, I was a youth pastor, and I went down to this gathering in one of the most oldest churches in in, uh, New England. And um, the gathering was called Antioch again. And it was all about believing God for a, another student missions movement that um, back in the 60s and 70s, there was a, an amazing student missions movement at Mount Auditorium 
where, where college students surrendered their lives to missions, and it was, became one of the, the greatest missions movement that America's ever seen. And I found myself in this, can I just say, I, I found myself in this snotty mess on the ground, <laughs> saying, Lord, I surrender myself, I will go. I'm going to go to the nations, right? And the, the Lord was stirring this. Because, like, it's different when the, you receive a prophetic word, you're going to the nations. Because I feel like everybody gets one of those words at least once in their Christian life, right? You're going to the nations, right? And you hear it so often that you, suddenly it loses its weight. But when you respond to a call, it's much different. Because you're literally taking that seed and you're nurturing it with belief. Right? And so I'm this snotty mess saying, I'm going to go. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm, I'm, I'm full-time in, 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 uh, as a youth pastor and working full-time. And I, it just as an act of faith, I got my passport in 2010. Right? I didn't get my first stamp until I went to YWAM in 2018. Can I say that again? I didn't get my first stamp not because there was not any invitations, because the Lord just shut the door. Because he was making me into his poema. Right? I, had, I, I was in this intense season of hiddenness. Little did I know, I, I, I just learned this uh, a few months back, that in 2010, Lou Engel went to YWAM. It was the last time Lou Engel went to YWAM before uh, the the time I'm about to share with you. In uh, 2010, he was preaching about uh, communities of prayers, prayer being launched off as missionaries and some of the greatest missionaries. And he prophesied over YWAM saying, there, was, uh, there is a student missions movement that is coming and it's going to come out of YWAM that the world's never seen before. That, we, that my auditorium seen as student missions movement. There's a movement that's coming out of YWAM that the world's never seen before. And Lauren Cunningham, which I don't take his words lightly, he got up on stage and said, literally, mark this day on your calendar because missions and prayer are never going to be the same again. Right. And here I am in Boston. I'm, I'm weeping. I'm, I'm surrounding myself. I'm, I don't know why I'm getting a passport. And I literally give, you know, whatever. Amen. Fast forward. Is it okay if I take you on my journey? It's more than just my journey. I want you to hear more than just a cool story. I want you to see the pen of God and what he's saying in this, right? That's where we're going tonight. So three years ago, I can't believe it's already been three years, at Tabernacles. So I, I from 15 years ago till now, pretty much every single Tabernacles I've been to, probably minus two or three because I think my son was born on one of them. <laughs> and then I was uh, settling in um, in Kona, the next one. But three years ago, it was just a regular tabernacle where I was just anticipating the word of the Lord to come through the speakers. But the Lord, Jehovah Sneaky, or Jehovah J Hijack... <laughs> snuck into my room and gave me one of the most profound prophetic dreams that I, I've ever received. And it literally set me and my family on a, a course I, I wasn't anticipating at all. 
Would you like to hear the dream? <laughs> I, I know most of you have heard it before, but I'm, I'm just going to go into it for the, the sake of the message. But in the dream, I'm at the Chicago Cubs baseball game, and I go in to purchase my ticket for $28. I go in, and I see my friends from, uh, they, they were with me uh, in Lou, Lou Ingalls' ministry. Their, their names are the Castiles, but they're, I knew in the dream they were from YWAM. And uh, I, I say, man, what are you guys doing here? I sit down. We start talking about the promises of the Lord, about the World Series, and about uh, just the field of promise. And he says, do you want to come see my field. You want to come see my field of promise? I said, sure, that sounds like a good idea. So he takes me down and shows me this field in the dream. And the field has caution tape all around the field. And I start tearing down the caution tape. And I enter into the field and I see this bush of pearls. And I pick up this bush of pearls and there's this mouth at the root system. And I knew in the dream that it the mouth ate all the negative things in the ground and produced these pearls as a result. And wake up in the presence of the Lord. And I, 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 I felt like I had the full interpretation right away. Little did I know. But I knew that it had to do with Matthew 13, that a man sells all that he has uh, to buy the field. And that it was we were entering into a season not to use caution, but to enter into the field of promise. And... I, I, I asked the Lord, why, why the, the Chicago Cubs, it feels like it's so significant in the dream. And the Lord spoke to me because I I, uh, they were in the playoffs at the time, struggling in the playoffs. And, I, and uh, I remember this radio broadcast, and they were saying, the moment you start striving in baseball is the moment you start losing focus. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, uh, and lose the game. Lord spoke to my heart and said, I'm a God who operates out of grace and out of rest. And you won't get to promise but through grace and rest. That's Hebrews. Read about it. Right? He didn't say Hebrews. He just said what he said. And then I, I'm pondering what he's saying. And the Lord spoke to my heart again. He said, and the Cubs aren't cursed. Because I don't know if you guys know the background of Chicago baseball. The Cubbies were under the Cubby curse for 109 years. They didn't win the World Series. So I got really bold. I called up my friends in Kona, Hawaii. They're full-time missionaries. I'm like, the promises of God are right around the corner. They're yes and amen. Don't use caution. Enter the promise. And as a sign unto you, the cubbies aren't going to break the cubby curse this year. You watch, and it will be a sign to you that the promise is around around the corner. Right? So I'm feeling, feeling good. I'm like, stone me if they don't. <laughs> Literally. Right, brother? I would have got stoned. You know, just hit me in the head with a rock if they don't. But they did. It was it was it was phenomenal. They they won the World Series. Uh, I my I got a text from Hawaii. They're like, so awesome, you guys. You know, this is the dreams from God. I I just put it in the file cabinet and said, that's awesome to have this prophetic encounter about my friends. I'm working my my employer ends up doing a scuba diving trip to Kona, Hawaii, right? And uh, while he's there, he runs into a YWAMer while he's there, and the YWAMer says, oh, you just so happen to pick the same week that Todd White's going to be here. Well, that's one of our favorite guys. So he's like, dude, he's texting me on the phone, dude, Todd White's going to be here. And I'm like, that's awesome, can I come? And to my surprise, he's like, dude, I'll fly you out with my flyer mouse uh, literally in a day, 
and I find myself on an airplane literally the, the next day, and I'm there only a, a day. It takes longer to fly, <laughs> fly there and back than the time I'm spending in Hawaii. So I'm on the plane. I have a lot of time to think about it, and I'm like, God, it feels like you're up to something. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to presume anything, but I'm going to leave my canvas blank so that you can, walk, you can write on it. I don't want to presume anything, but if you're speaking, my ears are open. So important. I feel like this is a teaching moment. I feel like the Lord is going to give you guys encounters. And more than you telling your friends about the encounters, the Lord wants you to look for your burning bush. Wait a minute. Did you guys catch that? Did you guys catch that? I feel like the Lord's going to give you guys prophetic dreams and encounters. But it's, it's for a, an assignment that the Lord's pointing you to. So, uh, so I'm on my way to Hawaii. <laughs> and I literally get into my, 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 my buddy who invited me out and flew me out didn't have enough room at the end. And I felt like Jesus. <laughs> they didn't have any stables. So <clears throat> I called up my fr- friends, the Castiles. Those are the people from the dream. Say, can I stay with you? Stay with them. The next day they show me the YWAM campus. And I'm thinking, this is just some ragtag missionary base. And my mind was blown. The way they reach into the nations is so excellent. They do it through media, through farming, through dance, through preaching. They're through campaign evangelism, just any, any way possible the gospel can fit in the nations, they're going there, right? And my heart's being stirred for the nations because I had long, like, again, I got my passport in 2010. That seed was dead. <laughs> that seed was dead. Dead. But lest the seed dies in the ground, it produces no fruit. I feel like just preaching right here. I, I feel like some of you need not be molded by the world and by the disappointments because you've been holding that seed and the Lord says, drop it in the ground. Don't you trust me? Don't you trust me that I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a God who ties you to dead-end dreams? Drop it in the ground. Don't be like... Zechariah, where the angel came and said, I came because the Lord heard your prayers, but you forgot about them. And he, and he had unbelief about his own prayer. I could, I could just see Zechariah, the, the father of John the Baptist. That's what I'm quoting right now. Year in, year out, year in, year out, Elizabeth is still barren. God, you promised me child. There's no child. There's no child. There's no child. Just dryness. Dryness everywhere I look. There's people making fun of me. There's people giving birth all around me. And he starts taking on that language instead of the language of faith. So guess what the angel does? He shuts his mouth because the, promise of, uh, the promises of the Lord are so much bigger than you. And He will accomplish them with or without you. So He'll shut your mouth so you won't cancel out anything. He'll say, sit down, buckle your seatbelt, you're in for a ride. Yeah. 
But John the Baptist is coming. Come on, that's good, Ed. And his mouth opens when he says the name. It was like the Lord gave him a seed so that it would die, fall on the ground, so he gave the seed back to the Lord. And that's what opened his mouth. He says, now you got it. You sow John the Baptist. And he probably, you ever read that, that, that uh, scripture about Zechariah prophesying over his baby boy? Come on, I want one of them words. For my boys, when they come out of the, just right when they come out of the room, you will be a prophet to the nation. I'm just feeling the juice. Oh, Lord, release it. Where am I, Lord? It's so important. It's so important how you steward those things inside. Because what it really reveals is your, either your trust in Him or your trust in your ability to get it done. And, and of course, you will burn out and die if, if, if you just rely on your ability to get it done. Because if you had that ability, and it's not a God dream at all, and it's not a promise from the Lord at all. It's just a good idea. And, and, and good ideas are a diamond dozen when it comes to men and church strategy. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you how it is. Good ideas... God gave us beautiful minds to create good ideas all the time. I'm not saying good ideas are bad. <laughs> Listen to me, right? I'm just saying the promises were meant to kill you <laughs> so that you be raised back to life and resurrection power and that you look back on the promises of God and say, look what He's done. My hand didn't have anything to do with this. I just said yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And when things didn't look like the promises were coming to pass, I said, yes, Lord. It shall come to pass. Because God said, and He's not a man that He should lie. God needs men like that. They just don't throw in the towel that easily. They don't measure themselves by their own accomplishments. They measure themselves by His accomplishment. <laughs> He's already spoken. Where's the cross? There's a cross somewhere around here. <laughs> so, I'm in Kona, and they're showing me the YWAM campus, and my heart's being stirred again for the nation. And I, I was in a stagnant place at the time. But uh, when they were showing me the campus, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, see, it's your dream. It's the Castillos. And they're showing you your field of promise. Don't use caution. And so it shook me. And uh, so I, I'm not going to walk you through the whole thing because it takes too long to... We'll sit and have coffee and, and, and I'll share. Uh, but I, fast forward... I didn't know what I was stepping into. I ended up selling everything. The Lord moved in powerful ways, confirmed it through my, uh, through my wife and family in uh, a mirac- miraculous way. And um, <clears throat> so we literally, a week after my son was born, we start selling everything. 
and we move to Kona. We sell everything. We buy the field of global harvest. So, like, I, I'm in Kona now, and <laughs> it's, it's absolutely nuts. Lou ended up coming out, Lou Engel, and we sat down with Lou, and he gave us just this fatherly blessing. But little did we know that we were at the dispensation of time where, I don't know if you know about Lou Engel. Lou Engel had uh, 15 years, ran with the call. It's a, it's a stadium event where he calls young people in, in the church to repentance because we believe that God still has plans for America. We believe that uh, uh, in the solemn assembly, if, if my people humble themselves, call upon my name, then I will t- turn towards them and heal their land. And so literally, we were going all over America doing these calls, believing that there was an awakening. God gave us a first great awakening, a second great awakening, and God was about to release a third great awakening. And that was like my majority of my time here. I'm just laboring with a few to, we're going to D.C. in the stadium events, and we're, we're believing God. We're, we're redigging the wells of revival. <clears throat> so I meet with Lou, and literally he gets on the plane, and he hears from the Lord. And he said, the, call, the Lord spoke to his heart and said, the call's shifting from the call to the send. And he literally hands the keys over to YWAM, and, and, and the call turns from the call to the send. And we were at the, the cusp of the greatest student missions movement that the world's ever seen. This is not hype. Literally, uh, they did the first call. The, the stadium was packed in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, they were calling people to the local mission, to the global mission, to adopting, to all sorts of missions front. But it was this new wave of what the Lord was doing and he was marrying prayer and missions together, right? right? In February, they're doing a call, actually my baby's due date. Really? <laughs> I, I, I keep on calling it the call. It's the send. They're doing a call, uh, uh, a send. See, that's how you know I'm getting older. <laughs> they're doing a send in Brazil, and they filled up one stadium in literally hours. Hours. They filled up the second stadium in, in a couple of months. Now they're filling up a third stadium. Three stadiums. They were only intending on filling one. Three stadiums filled of Brazilians, of, of Americans, from people all over the world. Folks, we are in a different time and season right now. And we need not just watch the times pass us by or sit on the sideline. God didn't call you into His kingdom to be a bench warmer. He called you to get into the game. Right? You are a first stringer. I want you to repeat that. Say, I'm a first stringer. So you have to ask yourself, why? Why is God doing all this? And as I reflect on my journey in like, I don't feel like, don't get me wrong, I, I, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm showing you my journey because I feel like God's poema is written through it. And that the Lord has invited me into His greater story. Right? God's greater story. And I have the privilege, I have the absolute privilege to call myself a missionary. And to see people get saved. It's a, literally a dream come true. Uh, 
We'll go more into the what has happened tomorrow. Uh, but I, that was actually just an introduction to what I was about to say. <laughs> How much time do we got? <laughs> I'm just going gonna to roll through this. But I, I feel like even in my dream, the Lord was calling me into a World Series. He says, America has its World Series, but I have my World Series. It's, it's called the greatest Mrs. Movement that the world's ever seen. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just so excited. I feel like we're in a Psalms, uh, a Psalms to, we're at the very beginning of Psalms 2 being fulfilled. And I, I don't say that lightly, but I, I, I say that in confidence. I really believe that we are seeing the unfolding of Psalms 2 being fulfilled. So let's just dive in to Psalms 2. It says, Why do the nations rage? And why do my peop- uh, the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, burst their bonds apart, cast away their cords from us. Right? So here we get this picture of the nations raging against Jesus and against his laws. And I believe that the nations are also raging against Israel. So we get this picture where the psalmist is seeing something as he's singing this song. He's getting a prophetic picture of what we're experiencing in our day. Of people saying, we don't want you, we don't want your God, we want to rule ourselves, we will break your bonds apart, uh, we don't want your boundary lines, we want to flow freely. Far be it from us that you rule over us, we'll be our own kings. And he's, the, he's literally seeing the nations rage against God. But listen to verse 4. It says, he who sits in the heavens, he laughs. Can you picture that? God Almighty seeing these puny kings, and he's like, that's cute. That's really cute. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and the Lord holds them in duration. He will speak to him, them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, Listen, as for me, I have set my king on Zion and upon my holy hill. So he says, he says time out. I have, you, you think that you have the authority that you can break my bonds apart? What you don't know is I have my king. And he's about to stretch forth his scepter and he's going to reap you, right? So let's dive into it. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give the nations to you as an inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. You will break them with an arata iron and dash them into pieces like a, a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be warned. <laughs> be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and perish uh, in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Yeah. 
That's intense. So intense. But I believe this psalm sent forth an, a domino effect throughout the rest of the Bible. I'm not just going to run through. Just I, I really believe Jesus came to earth with Psalms 2 in his heart. Think about it. When he came into the temple and he threw over the temple uh, tables and he set his house in order, what did he declare? My house would be called a house of prayer for what? For the nations. Why did he add that? Why didn't he just say my house would be a house of prayer? Think about it. it would, that would be easy enough. That's what houses of prayer are. They're just connecting with God, right? No, he said for the nations. In other words, I'm setting my house in order so that they would call forth my psalms too. You better believe it. He says, my house needs to be in order because I, I am a son. My, my father has promised me an inheritance and I want you to be praying in the nations. And, and Matthew, uh, Matthew 9, Jesus says it again. He says, therefore, he looks over the, the needy. And I'm going to go into this more into, uh, uh, tomorrow. But he looks over the crowd and he says, therefore, the, the harvest is full, the laborers are few, right? The harvest is full. So he's talking about those who have come to him in need. They needed their, their sick to be healed, their lame to walk, and they came to him and he was just one man acting like a son, right? Son of God. And he says to his disciples, the harvest is full, that's my harvest. That's what I want. That's my inheritance. And the laborers are few. So therefore, pray in my psalms too. Pray in laborers that they would go into the harvest field. Right? When he was raised from the dead, when he was raised from the dead, he, he didn't give the great commission before he died. I thought, I think that's just so incredible. That Jesus waited till he was raised back to life and in his resurrected state, he said, all authority has been given unto me. Now go therefore and give me my psalms too. Go therefore into all the nations of the earth and to the ends of the earth because the Father has promised me those. Are you guys tracking with me? I was walking on the campus one night. I was filling up my, my I call my wife the water diva because she won't drink anything less than pure water, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll just drink it anywhere. Reminds me I need to drink myself. But I was walking to get her water and the Lord spoke to me and said, uh, missions exist because worship doesn't. Right? And he said, what if I've called you into missions so that the, the unique incense that's in each nation could be released? That the incense of Myanmar and how, the house of prayer, the day, night, night and day house of prayer, 
would rise unto me as an incense. And they, they worshiped me in spirit and in truth in Myanmar. Then over here in Europe, there's an incense that only Europeans can give me. Here in, in America, we just had oh, an amazing time of worship and incense arising to the altar. Right? right? In Africa, in the Middle East, that the Lord is raising up incense. And so I started picturing all these different places where the, the fire of prayer and worship would be kindled. And the Lord gave me this one question. He said, and can the bridegroom resist when they start worshiping? At, at, all at once. Just going to let that sink. Can the bridegroom resist as his inheritance <laughs> is singing to his name in every in the book of Revelation? Oh, oh, oh my God, Holy Spirit, help me! We're going to turn to Malachi one eleven. It's one of my favorite scriptures. The Lord promises this. It's not, just, uh, it's not just a vision the Lord gave me. The Lord promises this, Malachi 1.11, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. In every place, incense will be offered to my name. A pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. I want to I say to you boldly, before Jesus' return, there will be an evidence, a manifest evidence of, of a worshiping, praying community in every tribe, tongue, and nation. Yeah. Yeah. And think about this. When he appears, the book of Revelation, every tribe, tongue, and nation sings a new song, right, to the Lord. Now, now close your eyes. I don't want the weight of that to pass us by. Close your eyes. I want you to picture yourself in that chorus. That you are literally singing the same song, but there's all sorts of different tongues and, and, and languages and cultures. <laughs> and you're singing the same song because you're singing to the same man. What is that going to be like? My, my friends, that is Psalms 2. This is what the Lord is, this is what the Lord is jealous for. I really believe it with all my heart. I feel like this is why the Lord even called me into missions. I want to I stoke the fire in every trung, uh, tongue, uh, tribe and nation that they would see the Lord rightly, because if they just see Him, then that song will naturally rise out of them. All they need to do is just see Him. The song will just come. I've been doing work in Myanmar, and Myanmar has, uh, is 95% uh, Buddhist. It was a closed nation for decades ruled by a military dictatorship. Just over the last six, seven years, it uh, opened its doors, so it's just such a, a great opportunity to come in. I'm going to share a lot more of the fruit that's come out of that. But we went to 
There is the Shwedagon Pagoda. It's the biggest Buddhist temple in the whole world. And it's this huge Buddhist temple, laden in gold, and there's this huge diamond on top. And then it's all this, these temples in this temple yard. And you can imagine just the yuck that that place feels like if you're spiritually sensitive. And I'm walking through this place. It takes like a half hour just to walk through, and I'm trying to speak in tongues, and I'm like, just like, ugh, man, this, this, this is, oh, it's just like a painful scene, blatant idol, uh, idol worship right in front of me. And I start like getting this heart for these, these people. And the Lord speaks to my heart very, very clearly and says, get over yourself. <laughs> Look past what they don't see, right? Look past what they don't see, and look what I see. Yeah. And I, I felt like the Lord said, these are people whose culture is extravagant worship. And they have an unbroken alabaster jar just waiting to be broken. Show them my glory and see what breaks open. We've been doing crusade evangelism, and people by the thousands are coming into the kingdom. We, we call forth prayer for the nations and, and uh, prayer for uh, their nation to the pastors and literally the whole room goes into deep travail unlike I've ever seen before. Folks, Psalms 2 is happening all over the nations in Brazil, in Myanmar, in, in the Middle East, in Pakistan. These are incredible times to be living in. So my question to you today is, what is your yes that the Lord wants you to, to, to say yes to? What, what does the Lord want you to surrender to your life? What is your field that He wants you to sell all and say, I'm all in? I'm all in. I'm tired of wavering or complaining and, and complaining that my elders, my your, the elders and the pastors aren't your biggest problems, my friends, because they cannot fulfill your promises. Can I say that again? And sometimes we are more like Zachariah because we, we're just playing the, the blame game and we're trying to figure this thing out. The formula must be off because the promises have not come true. And, and literally, you're working your promise by your own hand and, and creating Ishmael's. Instead of waiting upon the Lord and you'll renew your strength. What is that field? I'm wondering tonight. What is that field that the Lord is saying, would you sell all? Maybe, not, maybe it won't be like me where I'm, I literally sold everything <laughs> and went into the nations. But I'm saying, sell off all the questions in your mind. Sell off all the doubts. Sell everything that, that doesn't represent the promise and saying, Lord, it's not mine to carry anymore. It's yours. What you have out of me is a yes. And I don't care what it looks like from this time to that. And it might take 20 years. Who cares? I want to be in this thing. I want a crown to throw at your feet. Come on. I want a crown to throw at your feet at the end of my life. That my life wouldn't just be a waste in eternity's eyes. This is not for man-made religion. This is not for my own ministry gain. This is because I'm creating a crown to throw at His feet. I have something of substance to say, Lord, You are worthy. 
And I'm not embarrassed because I built with hay, wood, and stubble. Come on, we all have that ability. It just takes a yes to go. Can we stand to our feet? Bro, would you come and, and just lead us out? Do you mind if uh, my friend comes up here? and Jamal. Sorry. I just, I just feel like the altar call tonight is just a simple yes to the Lord. That the Lord is laying out almost like a, a contract where maybe you've said yes in your earlier years. But he's saying, will you say yes again? Will you sign up for another 10 years? You know, you don't have to even think, you don't have to just say, oh, I'll just give you my general, I'll give you the rest of my life. He says, how about just the next 10 years so that the next 10 years you can just be completely in and then you look over and see my faithfulness and you sign up again. Brothers and sisters, people disappoint you. The Lord, He is faithful. He is faithful. And those disappointments become His fingers in the clay. Where it just doesn't matter any longer. I just want to give Him my yes. I just want to surrender completely to His plans that His promises would be fulfilled and the course of prophetic history and eternal history would be changed just by my simple yes. So can we just make this front area an altar? And, and let's just do business with the Lord. And if you need to let out some tears and just allow the Lord to come and heal a broken heart I didn't think for a million years I'd end up in Hawaii doing frontier missions work not in a million years it wouldn't have been my third or fourth guess or whatever but he is so faithful he's so faithful so I want you to to just come up to the front and I want you to walk up to that contract and I want you to sign up again. And if you have any prophetic unctions, my brother, go ahead.
All the elders cast their crowns before the Lamb of God and they sing, you're worthy of it all. God, you're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. Lord, you deserve the glory. Before your throne, just like all the elders, they cast their crowns before the Lamb of God, and they sing, You're worthy of it all. God, you're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things, you deserve the glory.
For my 
Just give me one day. 
Cause you're worthy day and night, night and day, oh day and night, night and day. Let let your will rise, Lord, day and night. Oh. Let your worship rise, oh day.
to make sure you bring. It was crazy Monday night. It was, we had to add a couple of tables. <laughs> so come to the banqueting table tomorrow night. So tomorrow morning at 10.30, 5.15 tomorrow. If you want to bring someone to the meal, they can catch the second half of the powerful, life-changing, dutiless Word of God. That's right. Hug Wes because he heads out tomorrow morning. JC's taking him back to the airport. Wes, we love you so much. Amen. Yeah. And we do. We we declare, we decree an exponential in Jesus' name. God resource to get that book published. Anybody else leaving tomorrow? Ollie, young Jamil, when when do you leave tomorrow? Tomorrow. Make sure you love on them. Make sure you love on them. Anybody else is hanging out? I think Chant- does Chantel come? Chantel comes in tonight. Ooh, tonight! So Chantel will be here. That's our that's our firstborn. Just so you'll be in anticipation, um, it's time for them to become ordained. They've completed the Living Word School of Ministry, which is the three-year program that we have here for all the leadership. And now's the time. So it'll probably happen Friday night. When? Sunday morning, I'm sorry. Friday night, Sunday morning. They're kind of the same, aren't they? It's all part of the feast, right? It's eight days, so one day, eight days. One day in this court is about better than a thousand elsewhere. Amen. So. Don't you just love how God just gives us something very, very special every single night? Make sure you check the book table back there because Wes will be leaving. It's just some incredible material. It's life-changing. It isn't just buying stuff. It'll alter the course. If you haven't gotten his book on forgiveness, you want to get it. You want to get it. It's life-changing. Amen. And for those of you that just love Vermont, Saturday night's supposed to be down to 31 degrees, so get excited. We're having... We're uh, Saturday... <laughs> Saturday, we're going to meet here at 8 o'clock. And we'll be going for our train ride. So it's supposed to be beautiful all day Saturday. So we're going to take the choo-choo. So we're going to leave here at 8 o'clock. And we'll head down to Chester, pick up the train. Then we'll go to Rockingham, come back to Chester. And then we're going to drive about 10 minutes over to the Vermont Country Store. And we're going to just uh, have um, homemade warm donuts. And they got samples of cheeses. You can look like a little stuffed mouse when you leave, and it's all f- and it's all free. <laughs> no, it's just a wonderful time. It just uh, so we're just gonna have a full of cheeses or Jesus. You, you know, 
they'll stuff you too. <laughs> Amen. We love you. We bless you. Amen. Uh, Amen. Well, I'm just going to stop there because I can see this is going to this is going to get carried away. We love you and we bless you. Make sure, love on Wes, love on Holly, love on Jamil. Check the books out back. Love one another.